2: Welcome to Winning Ponies. With a weekend coming up, this is the spot to be for news, handicapping, and spotlights featuring the winners behind horse racing today. Now, here's your host, John Engelhart, racing's regular guy. Ah, uh, yes,
3: a uh, bit of a better setting here in the studio with our producer, D. If you were listening last week, we went live from the parking lot at a McDonald's in Carrollton, Kentucky, after getting... Stuck in traffic and you can go back and listen to the podcast if you don't believe it was, uh, it was live because, uh, we even got a train to go by and blow his whistle for us just to let you know I wasn't kidding. Well, uh, we hope to have a really good show today. Of course, we're going to uh, review all the big races from over the weekend and, uh, then we're going to go to two of the, uh, top most respected handicappers. I guess we've had on the show before. going to start off with, uh, Daily Racing Forms, Mike watchmaker who uh, does the weekend warrior. He picks several races every week and, and puts them up on the DRF website in a, in a webcast. And, um, from, uh, there, uh, after talking to Mike, we want to talk about, you know, the Oaks, the Derby, what he liked, what he didn't like, if he uh, thought there was any, uh, effect that some horses are going to come back and bounce well in the Preakness or the Black-Eyed Susan. We'll, we will find out from the Daily Racing Forum's Mike Watchmaker. And after that, uh, the former host of this show, the one Ed Meyer. Ed, I know, uh, braved the elements down in, uh, louisville and uh was at the derby uh it was right there and if you read his blog, you know that he did uh pick orb on top so uh we'll have the uh duo of Watchmaker and Meyer uh just a little bit later in the show uh before uh we we get on to all the uh daily all the uh, racing form and uh information about the kentucky derby uh did have some some breaking news it looks like this will be the end of Hollywood Park. They uh, have made the announcement that this will be the last meet. Uh, It's going to go, they will run um, through September, but when they were purchased from Churchill Downs, uh, the land company stated that racing was only going to continue for three years. It lasted longer than that, uh, but uh, they say that uh, without the success, they spent millions on initiatives. Um, brought slot machines to Hollywood Park, and um, in the absence of any change, they said they're just going to have to, sad uh, to say, they're going to bulldoze it. So with that, will go a lot of uh, memories. Uh, it looks like that the uh, California horsemen in the state have been working on a contingency plan uh, for quite a while, and it appears that Santa Anita Park and Del Mar will race most of the dates now in Southern California, which necessarily won't be a bad thing. And then uh, Fairplex Park, They've expressed an, an interest in providing a year-round uh, off-track uh, training facility, so uh, that, that'll that help people out. But, of course, a, a lot of history uh, done gone down with Hollywood Park uh, going away. Well, of course, uh, it was the 139th Kentucky Derby. It's in the books right now, and I think there's a lot of people out there that are not happy with a gentleman by the name of Dallas Stewart because Dallas Stewart... <laughs> Uh, kind of upset the apple cart for quite a few of the uh, trifecta and exacta players. When Golden Soul jumped up at 34-1 to 1 and edged out Revolutionary and Normandy Invasion, of course, the two horses I had under orb in my trifecta. But nonetheless, that's the way it came out. Uh, This afternoon was uh, part of a a teleconference interview with Suge McGahey, and uh, it sounds like uh, Suge is still walking on clouds. It it couldn't be more deserved for a guy that's put in uh, so many years dedicating himself to the sport at the highest level. Of course, he's always had great clients and and great horses, um, and Orb finally got him into the winner's circle at Churchill Downs. Of course, also uh, so many years training for the Phipps Stable and uh, Stuart Janney III but uh he is very very confident uh did go out in the rain the other day and uh, uh Galloped Orb back at Belmont, which is his uh, home court. So, should he get past the Preakness, he's going to be pretty comfortable by the time he gets back to Belmont. So, Orb has been back on the track uh, since his win, and uh, not bad when you get the favorite to pay twelve dollars and eighty cents to win. Totally impressive. It's funny; the top three finishers in the Derby after six furlongs were were fifteenth, seventeenth, and 18th. So it was big for the closers. Normandy Invasion looked awful dangerous at the head of the lane. Uh, turning for home, uh, he had a, a, a head lead there, but uh, just couldn't sustain it and ended up uh, r- running fourth. So uh for those of you that that had the super, uh, god bless you, but uh all I can say is I just wish Golden Soul had stayed in his stall that afternoon. And we'll be taking a look at a recap of the derby again, Orb, Golden Soul, Revolutionary, Normandy Invasion and My Loot uh were the top 5. We'll be talking more with both Ed and Mike about that race. Um coming up Later in the show, we're going to look at what a lot of people, uh, will call the, uh, the Belmont Prep in the Peter Pan Stakes. Uh, it's going to be a very interesting race. Uh, so many good horses, uh, have used the Peter Pan as a, Launching board to the Belmont Stakes. I mean, you can go back to '57 when uh, when Gallant Man did it, and then of course uh, Woody Stevens used this race. Uh, Coastal uh, won won the Peter Pan, slew of gold won the Peter Pan, Danzig Connection. Uh, so uh, you know you, you're getting in company like that. Also back in '92, I believe, AP Indy. I uh, use this as his tightener for the Belmont Stakes. So, uh, it's gonna be interesting to, to look, uh, with Ed Meyer, um, at the Peter Pan. Then we're gonna go out to Hollywood Park for a race full of imports, uh, the Senorita out at Hollywood Park. Uh, then we're gonna go with, uh, three-year-olds that, uh, prefer sprinting, going seven furlongs, and they came home. And then we're gonna go up to Canada, where it looks like, uh, Mark Cassie has got a full hand. In the Queenston, so those are the races that we will uh, be taking a look at. Of course, last week we uh, zoomed in primarily on both the Oaks and the Derby card. We'll get to uh, the results of the graded stakes races here in in just a minute. Uh, again, now it's looking for the Preakness Stakes. Uh, D-Wayne, he just can't get enough horses out on the track. Uh, Titletown 5 is gonna join the Probables. Uh, meanwhile, Kenny Peak took, uh, uh, Bellarmine out. So, uh, it looks like, uh, we are gonna have maybe 12 stars in a Preakness. Uh, again, this, this can change. We've got, uh, we've got nine days to go. Uh, the, of course, Mystery Horse is, is going to be the Illinois Derby winner, uh, Departing. Our friend Brian Hernandez will be riding Departing for Al Stahl. And again, Al Stahl was in on that interview earlier today. And uh, as confident as Suge sounded, uh, so did Al Stahl. He says Departing just keeps moving up and impressing him more and more uh, every day as he developed. Of course, he said he wasn't going to get in the game of just trying to chase in the point system just to get him into the Derby. He really think he did the right thing uh, by going to the Illinois Derby and then waiting for the Preakness. Of course, Jenny Reese uh, last week uh, called uh, the Illinois Derby the, the Preakness uh, prep, and uh, we'll see if it does turn out to be that. Uh, Golden Sense who didn't seem to grab the, the track at Churchill Downs at all. Kevin Krieger just kind of uh, covered him up. At the, at the end there, I believe he only beat two horses, ended up being 17th. They're back, and uh, they're already training over the previous course. And then Bob Baffert is going to uh, bring in Governor Charlie. Uh, it's my lucky day, uh, who did not have a lucky day in the, uh, the derby, uh, showing a little bit of promise and then fading to 15th. Um, he's going to take another shot and then you've got My Loot's going to be back in there with Rosie Napravnik of course they finished 5th in the derby 4th in the derby Normandy Invasion plans on coming back of course we know that Orb is going to try to go for the triple crown Oxbow who had a little bit of trouble in the derby is going to come back and it looks like uh, Gary Stevens is is going to stay in the saddle on Oxbow, uh, Oxbow again, a little bit of trouble, but Gary really liked the way he was warming up in the Derby and feels that he deserves another shot at one of the Triple Crown races. Uh, then uh, fifth in the Illinois Derby, Street Spice. Then of course you got Title Time Five, who just uh, at fourth in the Derby Trial, and Vijack, just an unexplainable race uh, in the Derby, only beat Falling Sky. Garrett Gomez likes him enough that he's going to be back uh, for for the Belmont. And then, uh, again, D. Wayne, he's going to put Will Take Charge uh, in there. So uh, it's going to look to be a very interesting Preakness Stakes. Not everybody is dodging Orb. I still think he is the one to beat. Didn't get a chance to check all the charts, but uh, Rafael Bayrano closing in on win 3,000. I believe he had five mounts today at Hollywood Park. Again, uh, we'll find out how many he won. He's probably getting ever and ever closer. Such a, such a talented, talented rider. All right, well. If you got down to Louisville or if you were uh, at a track that was carrying all the simulcasts, uh, you, you saw some great stakes races. On Oaks Day, the La Troyanne uh, was won by Authenticity. It turned into a two-horse race between Authenticity and On Fire Baby, and Authenticity lasted by a head. Believe You Can, last year's Oaks winner, was bothered at the start, went off the favorite, but ended up running third in the La Troyanne. The uh, next graded stakes race was the uh, Eight Bells and uh, this was uh, quite the finish. Uh, If you had to be there, I mean they just swept by with about forty yards left to run. It was anybody's horse race and uh, farthest on the outside it was so many ways and Garrett Gomez getting up by a half length over Fusiachi, wonderful and Irish Lute, who's a bit of a long shot. So uh, that, that was just a, that was a great race. Uh, then we came back, we had the running of the grade two, Ali Sheba, going a mile and a sixteenth. Of course, Oaks Day was absolutely beautiful, unlike Derby Day. And it was Rosie Napravnik getting the job done. Very impressive. Pretty much a wire to wire race. Uh, she was sitting aboard Take Charge Indy and, uh, for trainer Pat Byrne. Uh, second in the race was Hymn Book, and third was Bourbon Courage. Now, Cyber Secret actually finished second, but was DQ'd and placed eighth in that race. Uh, moving along here on Oaks Day, uh, we went to the grade two American Turf mile on 16th on the grass. The winner was Noble Toon, who's a uh, Grandam is Serena's song, the great champion, a noble tune with Javier Castellano. Got it done by a length and three quarters over Admiral Kitten. Third was War Dancer. Again, that was the American turf on on Oaks Day. Well, uh, as we came up to, to the Oaks. Dreaming of Julia went off the favorite, and Dreaming of Julia was pretty much slammed coming out of the gate. She likes to be near the front, didn't quite get the chance. John Velasquez uh, took her off the pace a little bit, but instead it was uh, upset time, uh, to, to say the least in here, as Princess of Silmar and Mike Smith got the job done over Beholder, who looked like uh, she was maybe going to win the race, and uh, so uh, it was Princess of Silmar paying seventy nine sixty over Beholder with the previously defeated Unlimited Budget getting the job done in the third spot there. Then then we go to uh, to Derby Day. Of course, the rain started to come, that changed things quite a bit. For a lot of horses, I'm sure, both on the grass and on the main track. And uh, we uh, started off with the uh, Twin Spires Sprint, grade three, five furlongs on the turf. It was listed as good. A Brazilian horse, Eduardo Caramori, that always seems to find these horses, came in as an upsetter paid twenty four forty over Chamberlain Bridge and Southern Dude. Uh, then... Uh, the seventh race, the Humana Distaff, this is a grade one, $300,000, seven furlongs. Uh, now the track was listed as sloppy. The track at Churchill Downs was sealed. And the winner was Edgar Prado aboard Aubie K, uh, who just came out of a stakes win at Gulfstream Park. Uh, running second was a Burban, not Bourbon, Burban, And third was Holiday Sorry, uh, a slight favorite was Aubie K in that Humana Distaff. Then we went to the Churchill Distaff Turf Mile. This is a grade two, quarter million dollars up for grabs. And uh, right now the turf course was still listed as yielding. And the winner was number six, Stephanie's Kitten by a Neck. Big surprise here, a kitten's joy winning on the grass at Churchill Downs or running second was the favorite Hungry Island and third number 3 Daisy Divine then on the sloppy sealed track uh, the uh, Churchill Downs grade 2 going 7 furlongs uh, the winner number 9 Deloney make this the sixth win in a row for this 6 year old gelding in the saddle Rosie Napravnik Second was past the dice, and third, Lori's Rocket. Now, the turf course had been changed to yielding for the Woodford Reserve, but did did not change the outcome for Horse of the Year-wise Dan. Uh, He uh, rated a little bit for Jose Lizcano and just pulled away to take down the woodford reserve turf classic over optimizer and midi but we already ran down the results of the kentucky derby and obviously if you're listening to this show you already know what they are so let's take a quick little break and when we come back one of my favorite handicappers from the daily racing forum mike watchmaker you're listening to winning ponies
4: Internet flagship station for sports. Voice America Sports.
1: And they're off!
2: What? Can't make it to the track? Are you a
0: real sports fan? Get ready to talk football and anything else sports with Kwame Lasseter, formerly with the Arizona Cardinals, San Diego Chargers, and St. Louis Rams. Kwame's got the experience, so he's prepared to talk sports with you. Every week on Kwame Lasseter's Sports Talk. It's on the Voice America Sports Network every Tuesday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time, noon Eastern Time. Get ready for unpredictable fun and sometimes a sarcastic look at the world of sports. That's Kwame Lasseter's Sports Talk on the Voice America Sports Network.
2: The opening
0: kickoff is a beauty.
3: And with me right now from the Daily Racing Forum, one of the country's most uh, respected columnists and handicappers is Mike Watchmaker. Mike, thanks for taking the time out to be with us tonight.
4: Hi, John. Good evening.
3: Uh, Well, uh, I'm not sure exactly where I want to start, obviously the Kentucky Derby is it, still fresh on people's minds. I know uh when I woke up on Derby Day, of course, uh wanted to uh, uh you know, check the check the weather channel and uh and actually it was Oaks Day and uh there were there was Mike watchmaker uh talking to the people on the weather channel and he gave out a horse by the name of Orb. So I hope people were tuned in for their handicapping information that morning.
4: Well uh, I've been sort of uh wedded to Orb for a while now. I uh I liked him when he won the Fountain of Youth at Gulfstream. I happened to be there that day, and I, I liked him when he won the Florida Derby, and I, I wasn't about to get off him in the Kentucky Derby. I mean, he was a horse uh, that had improved from race to race to race. Uh, he was a horse that was immensely impressive when third in his debut last summer at Saratoga. He just had a, a world of trouble in that race, and, uh, you know, he's, he's been on my radar uh, ever since that race. And, uh uh, the fact that he was training uh tremendously going into the Kentucky Derby was just gravy for me I mean the thing that the thing that bothered me, believe it or not it may sound a little selfish, but I think our uh, real horse players know what i 'm talking about uh you know i I was with this horse when there was no bandwagon, and all of a sudden everybody in America was on this horse, and it really scared the heck out of me because usually when everybody lands on the same horse, that horse just can 't carry that kind of weight but uh, what was just tons of the best in the Derby? Well, uh,
3: he he, he, he was just so impressive. And, uh, I, I pointed out earlier in the show, it's interesting, the top three finishers, uh, after six furlongs were 15, 17, and 18. How do you think that speaks to the speed up front? Well, I mean, they went 22 and 2,
4: 45 and 1, 109 and 4. Uh, the pace was, uh, very similar. Uh, to the pace uh, last year that was uh, set by Bodie Maestro, impressed by Trini Bergen. Everybody was uh, commenting commenting in the, about the derby pace last year, that it was an insane pace, and it was, and this pace was insane, too. I, I suspected that Palace Malice, with the blinkers on, was going to show more speed than he did uh, in his previous races, but I don't think anyone uh, really expected it to be runaway speed the way he was in that race, and... Uh i it, it, it you know, it was it was tailor made for stretch runners and you know, I, I give you all Rosario credit. I mean, you know, he could have he could have written orb like Javier Castellano wrote Normandy Invasion and he could have kept them closer and he could have Move too early, uh, and that's what happened in Normandy in invasion. And it cost him the race. Well, it cost him a better placing anyway. Um, but uh, Rosario was the hottest jockey on the planet. Made it made a, absolutely the right decision in being complete, as patient as he could be, allowing Lord to drop back as far as he can and waiting until the right time to make his move.
3: Well, it it, it, is, it really is just a, it's a great storyline. I, I think that. Uh, that that Shug McGee, McGay he he got there. It's almost like history can be complete now in his life. <laughs> not that he doesn't have many great, grade wins uh, ahead of him. Uh, I just think it was so uh, deservingly fitting for him uh, and the Phipps stable with, with Mr. Janney. And, of course, uh, I don't know if you were in on the teleconference today, Suge's still kind of on cloud nine. I mean, he's really he's not taking this matter-of-factly. I mean, he has so much respect uh, being a native Kentuckian that, that he actually finally did get into the winner's circle on Derby Day.
4: Well, you know, the fact that Jim McGee is a great trainer has not lost, uh, people in the horse racing industry. He's been, uh, one of the best trainers in the business for, for over 30 years. Uh, and, uh, uh, you know, uh, he, he, he just, he's the kind of guy that was just not going to go to the derby, uh, just to be there. I mean, there, you know, you could, you could, uh, throw a rock in the air and, and, and hit a trainer. That will go to the derby just to be there, but he's not that (laughs) kind of guy. I mean, and so therefore the general public that, you know, isn't familiar with Shook and, you know, they, they, they might not quite understand uh, his low key, uh, reticence but i mean he he he's been a fantastic trainer uh for for a very long time and uh and and he's the same guy he was back before he worked for the Phipps family i mean he's uh he he's he's the kind of guy that you can really root for i mean he's he he does it old school he lets he lets horses develop as opposed to you know running them into the ground and 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 it's just i think it's just fantastic. Uh, that that uh, a trainer with that attitude and that philosophy uh, could win the Kentucky Derby in this day and age, and it, and it gives me hope. Uh, because I've always been of the opinion that you know if if a guy starts winning a whole bunch of races uh, with horses with yellow balloons tied to their tails, then twenty uh, other trainers are going to start tying yellow balloons to their horses' tails <laughs> in the hopes that that's what it is to get their horses to win. And so I I, I wish she continued continue success in this national stage, because maybe it will institute uh, a new movement uh, to, to, to where the horse comes first, and where you let the horse develop uh, at his own pace, and you know, if a horse develops quick enough to hit in a derby, fine, but if he
3: doesn't, then, you know, you'll have a really nice four- or five-year-old. Absolutely, it couldn't have been said better. Well, you've shown some light on a, a, a falsehood uh, that's been in racing forever, and, that's, and I want to see who the first person is that's going to say it next week, that how the race is going to change in Pimlico because of the tight turns and the track is speed-favoring. You pointed out earlier in the week that somebody actually took an aerial photo and inserted Pimlico on top of Churchill Downs, and they are identical. I don't know where this rumor ever started, but thanks for putting it to bed.
4: Well, you know, I, I, do it. Here. I, you know, it's not the first time I've done that, John. I mean, I've, I've, it's actually, actually, I've written about it like three times in the last six years, and for some reason, it just doesn't take. I guess no one's paying attention to me <laughs> Oh well. But, um, you know, it, it, it's just a simple fact. I mean, uh, be, beyond the fact that the turns at Pimlico are, are virtually identical to the turns at Churchill Downs, and Churchill Downs has never been known as a tight turn racetrack. It, it, it's just a matter of fact that the Preakness is not a race that's won by speed horses. With the last 15 Preaknesses, only one has been won by a front runner. And that's Rachel Alexander. There have been two others won by horses that were right with the pace. That was Shackleford and War Emblem. Uh, you gotta go back before Rachel Alexander to Louis Couture. So, two of the last 17 Preaknesses were run in front running fashion. Well, you know, I, you know, I don't personally. Pimlico is not a circuit I play, um, so I don't care if it's a speed favoring racetrack. You know, you know, in, 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 come June sixth, um, but I do care how it plays on, on Prick this Day, and it just—it's not. A speed favoring racetrack. It's an, it's an even racetrack, and I don't know where this this stuff comes from. I mean, maybe uh, the fact that, that the Preakness is a shorter race that people seem to be, you know, taken by that and think, you know, pe- people don't realize that. Yeah, the Preakness is a shorter race than the Kentucky Derby. But it's a mile and three sixteenths, and that's still in this day and age a long race. And and I, I don't know where it comes from, but it's just a bunch of baloney. And uh, I wish, you know, I wish, you know. They, you will see a handful of traders propagating this nonsense, and, and 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 I, you know, I was pretty blunt about it this time when I wrote it up out of my blog on DRF.com. If you hear a trainer or a commentator propagating this nonsense, the Pellicosa tight-turn
3: racetrack and, and speed horses do well in the Preakness, they don't know what they're talking about, and you could dismiss them. Well, I can, and the chart that you put in there was really great. Well, while we're on the, uh, the Preakness stakes, I just got a couple more minutes here. I, I guess I've got two questions for you. Uh, one is, uh, who may have excuses coming out of the Kentucky Derby? And two is, uh, how dangerous will the winner of the Peter Pan be?
4: Uh, well, the winner of the Peter Pan is is not going to go to the Preakness. We know that,
3: right? I mean, the no. Peter I
4: mean, as far as the Belmont Stakes, I'm sorry. As far as the Belmont, well, I, I I look closely at the field of Peter Pan, and I, I I find it hard to imagine unless somebody absolutely freaks on Saturday at Belmont Park uh, that that the winner of the Peter Pan is going to be a, a serious threat to anyone. Who ran in the, uh, who ran reasonably well in the Kentucky Derby and or Preakness. Uh, uh, as for, uh, horses who had trouble in the Derby running back in the Preakness, there was, the Derby was a remarkably clean race for 19 horses in the slop who had never been a mile and a quarter before. Uh, you know, there were a couple of horses that had little steadying problems, revolutionary being one because Calvin is just so wedded to being on the rail. But the one horse, there was one horse and only one horse that had significant trouble in that race, and that's Will Take Charge. And Will Take Charge was moving stride for stride with Orb inside of Orb around the far turn, uh, and at the top of the stretch, Barazzano was tiring and drifting out, and and uh, Will Take Charge ran right up on his rear end and, and had a check and take off. Now, uh, would. Will take charge of one, the Derby. I don't know. Who's to say he would have sustained that run? The fact of the matter is he was being asked more uh, at that point in the race when he was going stride for stride for Orb than Orb was being asked. So I still think Orb was going to win the race, but Will take charge certainly would have been closer than eighth in the race. And uh, he's got a jockey change now. He's going from John Court to Mike Smith. Um, and, and he did that on a sloppy racetrack that he was supposed to despise. Uh, you know, he, his one bad race this year was on a wet racetrack, uh, at Oakland Park, and, and even Lucas said after that, race, trainer, D.L.A. Lucas said after that race that we'll take charge as a fair weather horse. Well, you know, he was running really well until he got stopped on a sloppy track in the Derby. And um, my fear is is that everybody knows he's the one horse who had a legit excuse in the Derby. And he might wind up being a wise guy horse in the Preakness. but he's a horse that you have to keep an eye on in the Preakness, And I, I think he might be the main threat to Orville in the Prefus. Uh Your thoughts on departing the Illinois Derby winner? Uh, he's, he's a nice gelding, uh, and he ran well in the Illinois Derby. And I just don't think... He's in the same league. Uh, as the horses that ran well in the Derby, I don't think he's in anywhere near an Orb's class. Uh, I don't think he's as good as Normandy Invasion. I don't think he's as good as Will Take Charge. I mean, he he had no excuse when soundly beaten the Louisiana Derby. He just hasn't run fast enough yet, I think, to really be competitive with these horses. But he's a nice horse. I mean, he's still got a license
3: to improve. But uh, he's not getting any of my money in the Preakness. <laughs> All right, ladies and gentlemen, we've been listening to the Daily Racing Forms. Uh, Mike Watchmaker. Uh, go- up on uh, on the forum's website he's the weekend warrior he picks out some key races even though this is a tough week to find some and uh just has some great insights into the sport of racing mike thanks so much for spending time with us on winning ponies my pleasure john all right up next the man i admire admire we're going to talk some uh, derby oaks and then we're going to try to do some handicapping for you on winning ponies
4: flagship station for sports voice america sports and they're off
2: what can't make it to the track you can still get all the action with WinningPonies.com, the home of the easy win form, the most accurate predictions on thoroughbreds, quarters, and Arabian horses at most American and Canadian tracks. Whether it be the Triple Crown, Breeders' Cup, Travers, Haskell, or your daily races, don't worry, let WinningPonies.com make some money for you.
0: Every Wednesday, you'll want to talk sports with touchdown Tony Collins and his co-host Bill Mattis. Tony's broken records and his been to the Pro Bowl and the Super Bowl We'll talk about what's happening in sports every week with news, action, and notable guests from all aspects of the sports world. We'll also involve you by discussing questions and topics of interest sent in via email from listeners all over the world. Become what you believe. Tune in to Sports Talk with Touchdown Tony Collins, Wednesdays at noon Eastern Time, 9 a.m. Pacific, on Voice America Sports.
3: The man I admire, Ed Meyer, former host of this show and a current uh, blogger on Winning Ponies, and uh, the man who I believe uh, touted our listeners on Orb last week.
1: Good evening, Johnny.
3: How you doing? I'm doing good, Ed. I'm doing good. You know, survived uh, a derby week Uh it was a long, grueling experience. Luckily, I was there during most of the good weather, and I know you showed up just for the, the day when things got <laughs> nasty. I'm sitting there watching it, you know, and I was like, the day couldn't get worse. It's kind of great that the rain actually stopped before the derby, but I noticed that the conditions, uh, you know, on, on, on the grass uh, finally deteriorated to yielding. Uh, so, you know, I'm sure there, there had to be a lot of alteration of your handicapping. You couldn't have done too much advanced wagering on Saturday, could you?
1: In fact, not at all. You had to actually throw it out and go race by race. But that's horse racing. You know, that's the cerebral part of what we do. We're just not pulling a lever and, and uh, rooting for Juicy for it to pop up three times. That's the best <laughs> part about racing. But I do appreciate you bringing the fact that I am the bad luck schlep rock that rained on Derby 139.
3: Well, I don't. I don't think it was just you. It was predicted
1: all week long. I'm. I'm
3: just glad you bored. The tough part is everybody moves out from under the uh, where there's no protection, and the grandstand just gets so jammed up. Sometimes you got to make an advance wager.
1: I, I also wanted to compliment you before we even jump into anything, uh, Mike Watchmaker. Incredibly, incredibly interesting. I could actually listen to him go on and on, break down the Derby for about a good half an hour. He, what a guest, John. You, you have nothing but the best. Well
3: yeah it was really uh, funny too, because I wake up and I turn on the weather channel, and there he is in darkness, giving out orb to a national uh audience but hey, you know when when you can uh when you can get pick a favorite which i've been accused of over the years and it pays twelve dollars and eighty cents that ain't too shabby
1: no a, a wise man once told me if you see twelve dollars and eighty cents on the ground, are you going to leave it there? Why heck no, John, by my calculations every year. After the fact, all our friends, our cohorts, and, and just buddies uh, among the masses, they all say they had the Derby winner. By my calculations, he should be three to five by everyone that actually had Orb.
3: Yeah, well, uh, how many people do you think would like to take a,
1: a baseball bat to the head of Dallas Stewart? Oh, well, <laughs> you know, I, I, would, uh, I, I I'm, I'm still haven't uh, recovered from Normandy Invasion fooling me. I actually thought the son of Tappet uh, was going to draw off and, uh, and do some real damage, only winning a maiden race. I was very high on Normandy Invasion. I heard Mike just allude to him very briefly there. But, John, uh, you, you talk about fooling me. I, I knew better than the son of Tappet not being able to go a mile and a quarter, but uh, I actually had to be proven the hard way.
3: Well, again, uh, Mike did allude to the fact that uh, maybe uh, that uh, Javier pushed the button a little too soon. Uh, he did look very dangerous after a mile and, and, and turning into the stretch, but I, I really don't think anybody was going to beat Orb on Saturday, Ed. I mean, to come from 17th halfway through the race almost and make that beautiful sweep and outside move and a draw away by 2.5 uh yeah, I think it was Orb's race, but I-, I am still, quite frankly, scratching my head over Golden Soul, a-, a horse uh who, for the most part, we didn't even
1: think was going to go in the race. Uh, you know, Orb, first out with Orb, looked incredibly well. I think this is a rare occasion where I can say, in, in my heart of hearts, that the best horse won the Derby. That's usually the argument of every horse player. The best horse does not actually win the Derby at all times. I think this year I think we had the uh, the right the right benefactor to the Winter circle. Come on in, Orb. You're well-deserving. Golden Soul, uh, another one uh, coming out of the uh, Louisiana Derby, ran an okay race. He was five wide at the five sixteenths. and the Risen Star was six by two. You actually had to stretch a bit. For Golden Soul in my book. But, uh, Dallas Stewart actually put together a nice runner by Perfect Soul there. Uh, yeah,
3: you know, I all I can say is it's uh, I just heard everybody go, you gotta be kidding me because and you can go back to the podcast. I loved revolutionary and normandy invasion uh under underneath orb uh you know i don 't know how much it would have paid, but you know paying twelve eighty on top i don 't think uh I would have lost any money on the race, but we'll we'll see what happens down the road because i uh, I still think revolutionary and normandy invasion uh really have nice futures uh, ahead of them and it, as as Mike stated earlier quite frankly, for a field this big, there wasn't too many problems out there.
1: You know, he brought up a really good point, a field of 19 actually going to post. And there wasn't that hustle and bustle and jamming up. But then, again, I think a lot of it had to do with the fractions. They were just blazing fast when they put the blinkers on Palace Malice, who opened up and just tore a hole in the wind.
3: You know, I, I was down there for the works all week long, and uh, I saw Palace Malice go one day without the blinkers, and then the last day, uh, they put the blinkers on him. And as you know, I like to take a photo now and then, and I'll show you. He was, he was throwing his head around. He was out of sorts. Um, he did not seem to be enjoying having the hood on. And so somebody asked me, what do you think about Palace Malice? I said, I don't think he's got a shot. And uh, for once in my life, I was right.
1: Well, I'm not going to say for the first time in your life, but John, when when you turn a 22 and 2 a 45 and one, I looked to a friend of mine and I said, "They're going to come from out of the clouds." This may be Java's Wars Derby.
3: Yeah, and he was he was the fourth horse I had on the on the bottom. Just don't know why he fired. Uh, he he was uh, dead last after six furlongs and didn't fire. Uh, and again, you, you just don't know how the slop played out. Some of these horses might bounce back and and run a a huge race. Uh, But either way, I I think the Preakness is going to be interesting. A lot of horses aren't a duck and orb. They say there will probably be a dozen going to post. We just don't know how good departing is or if some of the other Derby horses uh, are throwing it out because of the slop. So I'm looking forward to the Preakness, but I'll be honest. I'm in Shug's corner, and it'll be quite interesting to see if we have another Triple Crown sitting on the line. I just wanna know where a horse that both you and I saw run and were extremely impressed with, where is Crop Report? I thought we'd see him in the race we're about to handicap the Peter Pan.
1: Yeah, that's a really good point. Uh he won on spiral day on the rush away. Came from dead last. Turfway Park is known for being very speed friendly and mid. And dead mid-talk. last last last. He I was mean, out of on 15 back, and, and came flying. And was never hit with the whip. No. And, but the best part about it is, Crop Report is going to head for the Belmont if, if everything is all systems are go. But if there's any plus, Joel Rosario is not going to have the mount aboard Crop Report. He's going to be aboard our boy Orb. That's true. But it's just
3: very interesting because I'm not sure what else is between, you know, the Belmont stakes you know, other than the Preakness, uh, than, than the Peter Pan. So they're going to have to find something quick to get that horse into another race. Well, with that being said, uh, let's move on to the Peter Pan, uh, a race that has uh, quite a, a storied history in, in its own Sense as far as uh, having an effect on the, on the Belmont Stakes. We're talking about horses like uh, Gallant Man, uh, Coastal, uh, Danzig Connection, AP Indy. They all use the the Peter Pan as their prep for the Belmont Stakes. Woody Stevens was famous for it. Uh, Mike certainly didn't think there was somebody that's, that's in this field that, even if they should win it, is going to be much of a, a threat uh, to, to Orb should he continue on. Uh, in the fashion that he's in, uh, six of these horses are, are coming out of, you know, legitimate derby preps. These were horses that had hopes for the derby. Um, now they've taken a break. You know, they haven't run in the derby. Um, I'm trying to wonder, in Ed Meyer's opinion, uh, who kind of comes to the top here in the grade two Peter Pan. It'll be run at a mile and an eighth at Belmont on Saturday.
1: And don't forget, the weather's going to be a little wet. It's been, it was actually a muddy track today, sealed and muddy, 60% chance of thunderstorms. Now I'm trying to be a weatherman, John. 73 <laughs> degrees, 60%, so you can go for a little bit of a, a soft going. And it leads me right to Abraham. And I think we have a late bloomer here, John. I've always been a big believer in a two-year-old season. You're, you're a man of the horse flesh, and you've actually seen them come along. I think you needed it, but you're not getting it with Abraham either. But I think we have a late bloomer here. Sports a lot of speed. Johnny Velasquez and Todd Pletcher up three for four in the money lifetime. Comes out of the Illinois Derby. You like departing? Here's Abraham right now. Going to go, and and I'm a big fan of mile and eighth prep races. Got three underneath his belt, lightly raced. I think this guy is getting better and better. I'm going to have to go with Abraham right now at 7-2. to
3: Uh, you know, it's very hard to argue with him, and he's got an interesting running style in that uh he's shown during his career, number one, he can handle a sloppy track, and number two, he can be right off the pace if he need be. And he can also come from out of it like he did in the Illinois Derby. Although he didn't hit the board, but, you know, he bobbled at the break. He had an excuse for being as far back as he was. Uh, and uh, certainly I, I did find it very hard to argue with you. Uh, I think that mystery horse in here is, uh, is infinite magic. It's the number one of those team valor finds that they get over in Europe. And this horse, I, I watched him a race at, uh, at, at Keeneland and uh, he switched over, came from Europe uh, pretty recently. He raced there in February, came back in April, and uh, was at that time trained by Graham Motion, and we'll be getting first Lasix. Interesting thing is I think there's been a divorce between Team Valor and, and Graham Motion, uh, so uh, this horse is going to have a, a new trainer, uh, but certainly looks like a horse that can get a mile and eight. I just think he's a mystery horse. I talked to our good friend Tom Lamar earlier today, and he likes... By your Vayur, uh, the Chad Brown trainee, uh, that has never even won a stakes race, but he really thinks that this is a horse on the improved that's going to love a mile and an eighth. So just a little inside information from an old handicapping buddy of ours.
1: Oh, agreed. I have to respect tommy uh, tommy lamar's uh, his feelings on that first off, uh, team valor, what a loss losing Graham motion, parting ways, however that turned out. Best of luck, gents I think you're you 're going to really kick yourself in the hind quarters on that one, but actually, Tom might have a real nice, wise guy horse in here, John, go back three races ago. Black Onyx smoked him and he ran a beautiful second. So, and there was actually a runner that ran against Black Onyx that came back and won at Belmont the other day. So I'm kind of going back to who beats who and who's keeping company. Tom might have a really good, uh, a really good piece of action here. I'm also going to toss in Declan's Warrior, lightly raced, yeah. coming along, maturing nicely.
3: Yeah. And, uh, you know, he's, uh, you know, Kind of a New York-based horse won the Bay Shore on off-the-pace fashion. Uh, uh, He's going to get Lascano back in the saddle. So, yeah, yeah, definitely. Those are those are all the legit horses. It's going to be an interesting race. That's the Peter Pan. I'll tell you what. We got uh, three races: uh, two from Hollywood Park, one that's very abbreviated, and then we go up to Canada really quick. So, what we'll do is we'll take our break right now, and then let's just we'll do some speed handicapping. How's that sound, Ed? Sounds great. Ah, right, you're listening to winning ponies.
4: Your internet flagship station for sports Yay! Voice America Sports.
1: And they're off.
2: What? Now, back to Winning Ponies with John Englehart.
3: And with me is handicapper and blogger extraordinaire Ed Meyer. We're going to power through a couple of races, and if we got time uh, at the end, we'll uh, we'll do some chatting. Uh, We'll start right now with uh, one of the few graded stakes races that's out there this weekend. Uh, Everybody popped their bubble last week. Uh, The Senorita Grade 3, it's a mile on the turf at but well, I'm still not used to saying this, Betfair Hollywood Park. Of course, you uh, emailed me earlier today. This is the last meet for Hollywood Park, and i got to find out how many wins our friend Rafael Bayarana won today because he's closing in on 3,000. Who you like in here, Ed? It's kind of an interesting group. you got four horses of the eight-horse field that started their career over in Europe.
1: Speaking of Rafael Beherano, I, I I look no further than there. I, I like Scarlet Strike at five to two. Uh Beharano Hollendorf for teaming up. Uh, the La Provencia was a nice win, going a mile and an eighth, John. Uh, uh, she did not disappoint. Uh Philly by Smart Strike, uh two for two in the money on the turf. I I'm starting to fall in love with her and I think if you get five to two any part of Bay uh you know, get all you can. They're cutting back from a mile and an eighth. I, I love that angle. And uh, you got some maintenance works there. are a real nice work on April 26th at uh, BHP, uh, Bedford-Hollywood Park. But uh, I'm all in love with uh, Scarlet Strike.
3: Well, um, I am too, but uh, it's kind of a strange situation in here that two horses that raced in England uh, before they came over here, their last race, they raced against each other, and that is Lilborn, Eliza, and Need You Now are both in this race. And they faced each other in the Betfair-Radley Stakes over at Newberry in England uh, with Need You Now getting the win. Uh, trained now by Mike Mitchell, uh, James Cassidy now trains Lilborn, Eliza. And if anything, that horse might be a sleeper because Mike Watchmaker told me a little story about this horse, that this horse ran off in the post parade, almost didn't get in the gate. They were thinking about scratching him. And after all that, only missed by a nose in that $80,000 optional claimer. So if you're putting Scarlet Strike on top, you might want to put the one Lilborn Eliza underneath. Now, those are pretty legitimate observations by our friend Mike Watchmaker.
1: You know he's he's pretty tough to miss uh, miss any part of the racing game and all the guys at the DRF are, are just are just top shelf. I Have to agree with you. I'm sitting here looking at it, but you know three to one. I need a little bit more. Uh, it, I I would hope for a little bit more. Maybe they'll bet Scarlett's uh, Strike and a little bit a uh, little bit heavier. But I'm starting to like your uh, little born Eliza. As soon as you mentioned it, I said I knew exactly where he was going and. I didn't uh, didn't know about the runoff. It just has balked at gate gamely when I was looking at the past performances. But John, that's that's worth his weight in gold.
3: Yeah, Mike said it was a nightmare. So uh, you know want to share that with our winning ponies listeners a little inside information that's why they tune into the show they tell their friends to listen to the podcast all right now let's go to again a lot of the 3 year olds have already been spent trying to get into the derby uh so very short field uh, in the came home could be horses that have a future ahead of them there were two triple crown nominees in here and and belvin and treasury bill as i look at this short uh, field that looks like it's got potential later in the season um, Treasury Bill comes to the top because he's got experience this year. Of course, Sharer Magic sure didn't duck, duck anybody last year.
1: Treasury Bill, if you're referring to Treasury Bill in the uh, in the Hollywood, came home stakes the seven furlong event. I, I love Talamo. I think Ron Ellis is possibly one of the uh, most underrated trainers out out in Hollywood. If that's where you're you're going with this, uh, yeah. I I think that he. He might be better than we we really we really know. He's he's a man of few words, and he's actually uh, related to the uh, McGee boys, as I as I recollect. Yeah, uh, he's Murray's th- brother-in-law. Yes, and uh, and I ran into them in Las Vegas, and you can imagine that was an interesting night in the uh, the Paris.
3: <laughs> <laughs> I can. You know, I think a horse uh, that'll be bet for. Obvious reasons. You got the killer bees with Bob Baffert and Bayarano. Uh, I'm getting away from Belvin. I don't like those gaps in his training. And you know, Baffert, if, if nothing was wrong with him after the San Vicente, he would have found something for him to try to get Derby points.
1: I, I, I can agree with that. He's. Uh, I, I think his ego has been put into check a little bit. And this year, uh, you know, with not having a Derby runner, you know, these guys play at such a high level of competition, it has to sting a little bit. And uh, I, I think you are right. If there was something there, it would have been done.
3: Well, it uh, looks like we got about three minutes left, so let's go up north uh, where it looks like Mark Cassie, who spent a bit of his uh, spring down in the Keeneland area, is finally uh, heading back to where he has his uh, greatest success, and that's up in Canada, and uh, he's got a trio of horses in here um, that all, I think, have a legitimate shot. Of course, one that was probably mentioned the most along the Derby Trail was Dynamic Sky.
1: I'll leave it right there. I think it's a Chalk uh, lovers uh, Festival right here. Luis Contreras loves the track. He's a great rider up there. You're going to go a mile and an eighth. You're going to cut back a little bit, John. Cassie's incredible. Two for two in the money with Dynamics guy. I absolutely love this runner. If you can get 7-5, to five, I, I absolutely think that's great odds.
3: Well, he's you know, he's just so dangerous up there, and like I said, here's a horse that hasn't you know ducked anybody. Uh, he was off slow in the bluegrass, so uh, we'll give him that. But uh, he, he's one for one at the distance, and in two starts at Woodbine, he's got a win and a third. Uh, Cassie just rules up there, and I think it's going to be awful hard to get past this horse. Oh, I agree. Well, good. Ed, it looks like uh, our producer Dee's telling us we got two minutes left. Uh, A race I really didn't get a chance to to talk about with with, with Mike uh, was the uh, Kentucky Oaks. Um, Unlike the Derby that had very little trouble, uh, there, were, there was a, a, a bit of bumping going on uh, and it really kind of eliminated uh, Dreaming of Julia at, at, the, at the start of the race. What was your observation?
1: Exactly the same I, I think it was uh, it was a fist fight out there. The gals were uh, down and dirty and ugly uh, the boys behaved themselves, the gals were a little tough. Uh, I was really impressed with unlimited budget to the top of the lane when it would get a little longer. Beholder uh, showed a, lo- a new dimension for me. Uh, Princess of somar I, I won't even begin to go there. I, I could not have used in first, second, and or third. So I I think it was just a fist fight. I'm going to go ahead and scrap the race. Yeah, well, Todd
3: Fletcher gets to start enough of them sooner or later. One <laughs> of them is going to beat his other horses. Well, it looks like we're coming to the end of the show. Uh, with us right now is uh, Ed Meyer, Horstradamus. Be sure to read him on the Winning Ponies podcast. Uh, website when you go up there. He's got some great fun articles all the time, and some great insights into horse racing.
1: Ed, great to hear your voice again. I look forward to seeing you soon. Thank you, John, and best of luck to everyone out there.
3: All right, that was Ed Meyer, a handicapper extraordinaire and a blogger on Winning Ponies. Of course, I want to give a nice shout-out to Mike Watchmaker, uh, another one of the uh, stable stars from the Daily Racing Forum that, that join us here so often on Winning Ponies. Don't forget to go up to the website. They're giving out winners every single day. So for Mike and Ed, I'm John Engelhart. Remember, whoever you bring to the races, be sure that you practice